welcome, welcome everyone to the Consistently OK podcast. My name's Luke and I'm here as always with Nick. Hello. And we're presenting you with our bi-weekly podcast centred around pop culture that we do our very best, as always, to make Consistently OK for you. Each month we give you one episode where we dive into something such as a film, a TV show, a game or a comic and we break down our thoughts and more on it. Our second monthly episode will be our in-depth series and this season we're focusing on Batman from films to animation where we take you on a journey through the highs and lows, ins and outs and the representation of Batman through the years. This episode is sponsored by Black Spot Comics. Black Spot Comics publish creator-owned comics and you can find them by searching for Black Spot Comics on Comicsology. They have titles such as Snow the Dawn, Odyssey, Whistleblower and more. Black Spot Comics, we pillage, we plunder, we publish. So this episode is another one of our in-depth episodes and we're focusing, as you know, on Batman. And this one is about Batman Returns, the Tim Burton film from 1992. And we are joined by very special guests. We are joined by Neil from Get Your Comic Con. Hello, Neil. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm really Fantastic. excited to talk about this movie. So good. Um, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself, people who don't know about Get sure. Your Comic Con? Sure, yeah. Uh, so uh, for anyone that doesn't know me, is there anyone that doesn't know me? Everyone um, knows you. <laughs> uh, so I uh, co-host a fortnightly-ish podcast, uh, the Get Your Comic Con podcast, which is on all major platforms. I host that with my long-suffering husband, Martin. Um, and then you can find my ramblings on film, TV, comics, pop culture stuff at getyourcomicon.co.uk. We are there every day trying to do all the latest news as well as review the, the latest stuff. Fantastic. You did that very well, considering I normally read my stuff from a script and I still mess it up. Absolutely. Um, you, just, you did that. It was perfect. Yeah. So maybe you should do our intros. That would be a lot, <laughs> a lot easier. I, can't, I actually have our intro for our podcast committed to memory now pretty much. I can just about do it without needing to have it in front of me anymore. It took yeah, me a long I, time. I was saying to Nick, there's a wrestling podcast that is doing. The guy does it. It's a really long intro. He just, you can tell he's just done it so many times. And then he was saying one of his podcasts the other day, is like they changed one of the shows they talk about. They changed it from a Wednesday to a Tuesday. And he's like, it just threw him off completely. Oh. Like he, can't, he cannot get it right to save his life now, which is really funny. If I get um, one word wrong, then that does throw me off. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm sorry. It's like, <laughs> throw the microphone. It's like, I'm done. Sorry. Well, I don't know why. In our, in our opening, I wrote the word representation. And it, yeah, I mean, it's a big-ish word, isn't it? But it's just, every time I get to it, I'm like, representation. <laughs> oh, why did I even write it? Anyway, that's, uh, that's a battle for another day. So, Batman Returns. Um, I think yeah. we just jump straight in. I think, because this is a sequel, because we've already talked about Batman 89 in a previous episode. Oh, yeah. And because a lot of the cast, have, well, not a lot of the cast, but the main character, Michael Keaton, has carried over to this. Should we just talk about the cast first? Go for it. Yeah. Cast and crew. So, should we just start with Keaton? As that's the first person that I, I just mentioned. He's a good Batman, isn't he? He certainly Very. is. Yeah. He's, he's better in this than Batman 89, because I really liked him in Batman 89, but he's he seems, well... Interesting. The first thing I noticed about him is he doesn't actually say anything for the first 30 minutes, maybe? Probably not. I don't know, does he? Pick up that. He doesn't say anything because obviously you have a lot of. Sort yeah, of, you've got the whole fight sequence got in, all the, the fight in the town sequence square and stuff. And, stuff. and then yeah. When, yeah. They, when you see him for the first time, he just stands up and, um, and he doesn't say anything when he's actually in the city fighting. And I, I can't remember what his first word I did write it down somewhere. I can't remember what it is. I'm useless at keeping my notes, by the way, Neil. Just, It'll uh, be everywhere because he doesn't speak when he rescues um selena kyle from the clown no he just when he does the whole grapple thing he just stares so it'll be when he talks to commissioner gordon probably when they're trying to figure out where max shrek has gone they do that bit where they're walking down the street it's probably then yeah so it takes a long chunk of the film before he says yeah it's a very good point i've never thought of that 
He got away yeah. with that, Michael. He just uh, got paid but, more money to not say anything for the first 35 minutes. However, how does nobody notice the uh, the giant, like, retractable bat signals that light up the entire of Wayne Manor at the beginning? Yeah, right. I exactly. From different, ang- yeah, from different angles. No one sees it. That was something so, that I put um, in my, um, like, kind of narrative notes, actually, was the fact that for the the kind of titular character he really doesn't say a whole lot but he's so memorable in the role um yeah and i i find that really impressive that they managed to just create such a personality out of him basically just not saying a lot like every other batman i feel like, like says something that's um, too much like i yeah. mean christian bell doesn't say he's i mean he's a very good batman as well isn't he but th- these two they're the two they're the two batmans i like the most so just, yeah, I dread the fact we've got to talk about George Clooney Batman and what do you mean? even Val Kilmer for Batman to a point. Oh what, God, no, not Batman and Robin. What, what, he is he is Nick's Batman. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. no I'm, I don't <laughs> want to watch. Them. Don't make me watch them. Um, but I I think Mike is a really good Batman. I'm super excited that he's in. He's going to be in the Flash film as well. I just think yeah, he's one of those Batmans that he just he kind of actually looks at. Obviously, most of the time if you really look at, it, you can tell it's. You tell it's Bruce Wayne under the mask. If you really were to focus on it, you'd think you'd get there. But he actually yeah. looks really good in the costume as well. Like the obviously the, the way they liked him and everything that is. So he's very dark at the top and everything. But I think he's so he's so much more relaxed in this when he when Batman returns than he was Batman eighty nine. And I, I think it shows with just I think he's just really good in Yeah, there's kind of there's like a a level of confidence with him in this film that you maybe don't get so much in 89 because he, I would imagine if he knew about the kind of reaction to his casting and the fact that people were so unsure about him, then I guess he probably felt this movie like he'd proven himself. So had a bit more confidence about his performance. Yeah. And he's top billing, isn't he? Because in Batman 89, yeah, yes. this, he was Jack Nicholson went through his whole part of his contract was that he was, he was the number one guy. He was top billed. Yeah. It was him, then Mike, he's, he's the big name in this, isn't he? And even yeah. so that, if what you just said, Neil, is that with Danny DeVito being Penguin and Michelle Pfeiffer being Catwoman, they they weren't the first choices originally either. They were both. Uh, no. They weren't the. I don't. I don't know about Danny DeVito. Actually. I know Michelle Pfeiffer was in the original pick, was she? There was someone else that was cast originally. And is this the situation where she fell off a horse and broke a leg, or was it this? Uh, someone got pregnant. She and got pregnant. Yeah. There was. Yeah, uh, it was she got was pregnant. The orig- I can't remember her name now. No, me neither. Um, and then they, yeah, they brought her in afterwards. Um, it wasn't Annette Benning or something like that, was it? Wasn't it? Yeah, it, was, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was Annette Benning. Yeah, that was it. Um, so yeah. she, so with Michael Keaton in Batman '89, he obviously, yeah, he was a bit scrutinised for being picked and blah, blah blah. But because it works so well, he's a lot more free. The shackles off a bit more in this one, but you know, it's uh, it probably was a bit more confidence, wasn't it, going in? And his suit, his suit was adjusted so he could move a little bit more. Although it doesn't look like he can move well at all, does it? Like. His neck, his neck doesn't twist. Let's face it. Not at all. Sorry. I I have a bit of an issue with the Batman Returns costume. I think I prefer the the chest plate on the Batman eighty nine one. It's a little bit less anatomical in this one. They made it slightly more robotic. If you look at like the 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 non existent six pack that he probably did not have underneath it, um, it's kind of it's really really clean lines in this one rather than being like a, a replication of human anatomy that you get in Batman eighty nine. And I yeah. don't know what it is, but something about that I just don't quite like as much. Do you reckon like they're the... gonna? Sorry, you go. No, you go, Nick. Oh. Um, I was gonna say, do you reckon they're gonna redesign the suit for the Flash, or do you reckon they're gonna go for like the original Batman suit or the Return suit? 
the there's that one piece of concept art which yeah. is not obviously a lot to go on but i'm pretty sure if you if you sit on photoshop and lighten it up a bit to try and see the, the minute detail uh it's the 89 costume it's got like the the slightly extra bit on the the tail of the bat symbol and stuff i think it's the, so i'm pretty sure it's the 89 version because i was kind of hoping it would be like a weathered down batman like he was, yeah. he was sort yeah. of like flashpoint batman in a way like he, well no i guess thomas wayne isn't that weathered down but it's, i thought his suit was going to be a bit he's going to be like an old school batman like he's been through everything already and he was yeah. just gonna that's what i thought maybe because obviously michael keaton now is gray hair and i mean i know you can do anything in films these days can't you they could make yeah. him look younger than he is but but probably i would i would think they'd go 89 which obviously from what neil said is maybe likely because that was one likely. of the, <laughs> that was one of the things that i read um uh about batman returns is that Tim Burton didn't want to make a sequel. He wanted to almost do it as like its own thing. Mm. And that got yeah. me wondering about the flash. So I was like, oh, you could in theory just set it between 89 and returns. Like if he's gone off of that logic that it's like, I don't want to have a direct sequel at any point, you can just place that Batman wherever you want, Anywhere. really. Wherever you want. Um, which I, I thought was quite interesting as well, just from as we're talking about Cast and Crew, that that Burton was so specific to it being like it can't be a sequel. It has to just be its own own thing. Because um, yeah. I think there is literally just one line that connects the two. Um, he talks about is... Vicky Vale at one point, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, um, it's that scene between him and Selena Carroll when she's like, Vicky, ice dancer or stewardess? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I can do part like, <laughs> I can do a fair amount of the script. <laughs> yeah. It's solid work. It's like me in the MCU films. I could, uh, I could just go on and on with the script, but yes. <laughs> But it's it's uh, with the it's strange that there isn't like you said the, the returning characters there weren't really any any because not even Jim Gordon had a huge role did he? It's, no, no, he didn't really in this. He's no. he's not in this one anywhere near as much. No, it's just Alfred. Alfred's the only supporting actor that really makes a yeah. substantial contribution to the film. So even though I, I did, I remember when I was younger, I remember thinking that when he's the line where he's going to take the stairs, I remember thinking that. But he's still there just as quick as. <laughs> As Bruce Wayne, like he literally, he's there just as quick as Batman is going down the slide. And I love the fact that it's a slide. So good. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, excellent that excellent entrance into the Batcave. I think Knox is in it as well, isn't he? And like the opening scene where you miss it. I'm pretty sure he walks out of the department store. I could be wrong on this. Or the actor oh, just looks so. really, does he not? Could be a really similar looking actor. Yeah. Oh. I think if it was not, if that's like be... an Easter egg that I've missed, I will be really, really shocked. <laughs> oh, just it another excuse so to go and watch it again. And I was like, oh. And then he just wasn't in it. And I was like, oh, maybe it was just me. But I, it looked a lot like him. I did always think it was weird that he didn't carry over from film to film. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's normally, like, there is sometimes, there's always like one like smaller character that comes over, doesn't it? That you, you have as like, I mean, I guess it's, I guess it is Alfred in this, but. Yeah. It's an obvious choice, but there's normally like a another sub character that just uh, keeps ticking over. Knox would have been the probably the sensible choice, yeah, wouldn't he? Because he was yeah. he was in he was trying to like obviously look into the Batman situation. So, what do you think about Danny DeVito as Penguin? Because he's bloody awesome. awesome. Yeah, he's so good. I love this version of Penguin. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best version of Penguin. Oh, I obviously yeah. he knows what's going to happen in the Batman, but it's uh, I don't know why. No, I know what Batman. you mean. I, that was kind of my first introduction to Penguin, other than. Batman 66 watching the TV series. Um, so for a long time, this was how I felt the penguin was supposed to be. 
And it was only then when I really read comics later on that I realized that actually that's it's not maybe representative representative of how he is in the comics, but I just love this version. He's so grotesque. Yeah, I, I love this. The two, my two favorite versions of the penguin is this and the penguin from the Arkham games, the kind of Cockney mm. uh, penguin, which yeah. is pretty good as well. But I, I think he suited the. He's so good in the role as well, and he's because this is the first time I've seen it in quite a while. Um, I had to, but I bought the bundle. I've got them all on Blu-ray, but I bought the bundle iTunes because I had to. I had to get Batman Forever and stuff, which uh, yeah. Now, now it feels like I've spent money that I don't want to spend. So good. I actually uh, like Batman Forever. I, I, I have a lot uh, of love for Batman Forever. I'm I like, really excited to watch it. Like it's been so long since I've seen it, and I'm like, I, sure. Because I did, I did a, I did a, I did a dissertation on it at yes. university, and because I had to watch it so many times, I think, <laughs> I think it ruined it for me. I think I, I thought it was all right, but now I just don't like it at all. So why why did you um, choose Batman Forever over Batman and Robin? If you're going to do a dissertation, it was, it was chosen for me. It was not oh. a dissertation, sorry, uh, an essay. Not a ah. dissertation. God, can you imagine if my uni dissertation was on Batman Forever? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's why I was wondering. Words. I was like, you, you'd have the right. choice and you chose Batman Forever. An essay. Oh man, just I had to watch it so many times. But on the other side of it, I, I got another film. I did Sin City, which was which was fun. amazing. Go watch that. Anyway, so he's great. I can't remember what my original point was going to be. I just got sidetracked. But um, yeah, DeVito's strong. He's strong, yeah. isn't he? And yeah, very you're saying about the, the TV show uh, Penguin, is that the mayor, the mayor campaign posters? Yeah, that looks, yes. like him, uh, looks like him. TV show, which I never yeah. noticed because when I watched it a few years ago, or obviously I've seen it loads of times, but last time I watched it was a long time ago. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like it's proper, you know, he's got the pipe and which is nothing like this Penguin version, obviously. So they're just lapped it up for the posters to make him look like a mayor, yeah. uh, mayor campaign uh, candidate. But he's, I love that touch. I think that's so smart. And there's a lot of little things like that that Tim Burton does throughout this all, you know, set designers, everything. But that was great to see this grotesque penguin, and then what what he what they want as a mayor is penguin. So it was it was really yeah. good, and he just he really went for the role, didn't he, Danny DeVito? Because I read that he, he was yeah. in the makeup chair for ages, and like he kept having to eat food colorings and everything in paste. Yeah, so the ooze just trickled the, out. Yeah, so, just good. Really. And the raw fish as well. That was apparently a real fish. <sighs> yeah, like he just was like. and isn't it a real bird as well when it gets to the bit where selena kyle puts a bird in her mouth i think that was actually i think there was a like a brief stunt with a real bird there as well yeah i I mean they probably just both went for it didn't they because they probably were why would you not when you're in a role like that especially with tim burton he's probably there literally egging you on and pushing you as much as possible i would love i know this is part of the narrative but i'm desperate to talk about one scene which i completely forgot about other than it's because it has Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer in it. It's there, the scene in the, the upstairs room above yeah. the airplane. Obviously, the first line that Danny DeVito is like just, just the pussy I wanted to see. And I was like, holy shit. I, like he got, because I read a lot about yeah. it that it was PG. And yeah, like yeah. It, was, it was like, it got a lot of uh, stick for it being would, a lot of stuff. I think it was 15 whole... when it first came out. And it's was over it? the years yeah. come down to, yeah, because I could, well, to be fair, I was only seven when it came out. So yeah, I w- I, if it was PG, I would have been able to see it. Um, I was not allowed to see it at the cinema. I hadn't seen one until Batman Forever because I was too young. So I think I'm pretty sure it was 15 or 12 when it came out and has lowered over the years. Because yeah, I saw, I think the first time I saw it was on VHS, and you know, mm. my mum was me there. Too. My mum was letting me watch Predator when I was like eight. And I was uh, me too. Thanks, mum. And um, <laughs> and I, th- I remember seeing it when I was quite young. But obviously at, at that age, I wasn't thinking. You know, he just walks in a room and said to a cat, he said, pussy, and that, mate, that's yeah. that's, uh, that's funny and, and, you know, not at all rude or anything. And then the whole scene, 
I was just when I was watching it last night, I was just like, oh my god, this whole scene. Even when she starts licking herself, cleaning herself, I was like, Jesus Christ. And like he's just on the bed like, it's, like <laughs> it's just uh it's a really weird scene, but it's so good as well. Um the whole uh and Danny DeVito in that scene as well. He's just like throwing uh because he's got the flipper hands, obviously, the, the penguin hands, and he throws this ointment in the air. Oh yeah. And he catches it with his uh with his like flipper hand. I don't know if you've watched it. I don't know why I was watching it so closely, but <laughs> it was such a good catch. Um, that's, uh, that's she calls just... Batman a fly in the ointment and he does the scented or unscented. Yes, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And he catches it. If you, you got to watch it again now because it's a really good catch. I was very <laughs> impressed because he's in all this. He also does that. I can't remember if it's this scene or is it just before it when he pins the badge on that girl's chest. Yeah. And he's like, he says, um, you're the hottest role. Mo- uh, she says, you're the hottest role model a young person could have and he's like you're the hottest young person a role model could have and then he <laughs> says he wished he could have shown her his french flipper trick i'm like what's that yeah what is it <laughs> that's it's just wrong it's really uh there's all i mean all, there's so much of that uh, like sexual stuff that obviously danny devito is like oh not danny devito <laughs> maybe he was maybe he was after michelle pfeiffer but he's uh penguin is lusting after catwoman isn't he it's just uh, it's such a random scene i forgot about but both of them yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer as well. We should talk about. She was she's so good in it as well. Like you can't. Yeah. Even the fact that she was second choice is crazy because I saw a video of her, a behind the scenes video, which was doing the rounds on Twitter, where she's she's the smacking whip. the mannequin. Yes. Yeah. Have you and seen she this? Does take? it? Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. yeah, yeah. And she does it in, in one take, and it's just like she just skips off into the distance, and it's unreal, isn't it? Because when I watched it, I haven't seen, I hadn't watched the film since I saw that viral video either. So I was like. I wonder how good it looks on camera now. I know that was done in one take, and it's just so good. It's yeah. so so good. And she's uh she's great in the role. And she's she, so uh, yeah, she's just so easy to watch as well. Like the the way that she plays the character, the 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 difference between her returning home, where it's like when she returns home is just Selena, and then when she comes back and she's Catwoman. The difference in those two is just played so well. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It I remember that a lot amazing. from when I was younger. That scene is one of the like the standouts of that and the penguins with the jetpacks or the rockets rather like that, uh, that, uh, that scene when she comes home and then she spills all the milk and then she drinks all the milk. Like I remembered it obviously Neil remembers it's like word for word, but I remember it seen like a look uh, visually and um, it's just really good. Her go nuts, making a costume and everything like that. I think what these two do, which probably again, more narrative is that they really, they own both the characters. They just, yeah, they really do. You can just it's see insane. that they've just, not only did they enjoy doing it, I'd be devastated to learn that it was like shit going on behind the scenes, but they seem to just be like, you're Catwoman, this is you, you're tormented, you're, this has happened to you, and she just, she owns it, and Danny DeVito just, he doesn't stop, does he? Just Yeah, no, smashed it. He smashes Even it, more yeah. so, I think, than Jack Nicholson. I think... Yeah, I agree, you, definitely. When, when I watched Batman 89, I still remember how much I was absolutely shit scared of that Joker. Like, I have a, a complete phobia of gas masks purely because of that scene at the end with the parade and the giant balloons. I yeah. cannot, I cannot. And the scene um, after he kills uh, the his his boss guy um, and he sits there and smears the blood on the newspaper and does the really menacing laugh and it's all, it's really darkly lit apart from part of his face. I can't, it's so scary. But then when I watch Batman Returns, I'm kind of like, hmm, I think of it as Jack Nicholson as the Joker, whereas with these two, I just think of it as Penguin and Catwoman. I don't really see Danny DeVito or Michelle Pfeiffer. It is just yeah, the characters. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know what it is about. So I really like Jack Nicholson Joker as well, but I yeah, 
I, I think probably is because of his because he has but interestingly there's a lot of people that say the Batman 89 could have been I say a lot of people I probably read like four things on it but they say like it's more of a it's more of a Joker film like it's a Joker film I guess it's Batman film a lot of people say this should have just this is a Catwoman film more so than a or it's like the villains have more time than the than Batman does in the film Jack Tim Nicholson, Burton I actually I remember sorry cut you off oh, yeah. there um, that's okay Tim Burton, when so your whole thing about uh, it, him not wanting to do a sequel, I think the the way that he talks about it when he talks about how Warner Brothers got him on board to do it was that they agreed that he could focus more on the villains. He felt like he focused on Batman's journey in the first one, kind of parallel to Joker, and he wasn't interested in retreading Batman's journey. He wanted a villain's journey, and that's why he picked those two. And that was what got him to sign on for it was being able to do something more from a villain's perspective. That's, that's what it yeah. should be, shouldn't it? Because you should be able, if you because I, I guess it would have been a trilogy eventually. I remember rumblings anyway. Yeah, well, so it, it should have be, been uh, Harvey Dent. It should have been Two Face. Yeah, and it should have been a Catwoman sequel as well, which I read mm, about earlier yeah. today. But then that Catwoman got put. That was going to be a Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman film, but that got put on the shelf, and eventually it became the Halle Berry Catwoman film. Halle Berry, so good, so so not good. <laughs> um, I actually watched that again the other day. I I watched it. I I actually bought it on iTunes because it was 99p. Um, And (laughs) the only thing that I had not noticed before that I did notice and thought, oh, I appreciate that. There's one, like at one point when she's studying Catwomen, there's a photo of Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm like, there we go. There was at least a nod. 99p well spent. Yeah, 99p well spent for that one scene. God, the CGI (laughs) is awful. It's so bad. It's so, so, so bad. I just don't i just i remember nearly going to see it at the cinema before the reviews came out for it and i never actually saw it at the cinema i don't think i think i, I didn't saw go, a pirated didn't go, copy i didn't go in the end because it got i think i don't think i even saw the trailer I just, oh, it's a catwoman film i go and see every superhero film yeah. like, i'm probably going to see it and i was like oh, okay it's not not gonna happen i'm not gonna go so um bad but i wish god i wish we had a michelle fighter Catwoman yeah. film, and i really wish that we had a i really 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 wish we got another michael keaton tim burton batman film as well because i think yeah. Because they do focus on the villains so much, and Tim Burton, what he said is not focusing so much on the Batman story. Then he, I would have loved to see him tackle like a couple more villains, like Two Face, yeah. or yeah, something. Or I don't know. Well, Riddler probably would have suited him, but yeah, I would have. Liked so there is a new comic book. Yes, there is they, a new comic book. Yeah, it, I think it starts in July, where they are going back to the unused ideas and, and are telling more stories in in Michael Keaton's Batman world. Yeah, cool. and it's uh, guys from the same, not the not the main screenwriter, but the one who oversaw some of the changes. Oh, yeah. Batman Returns. Is, it, is his name Ham? Um, no, Ham. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Chris Ham. Ham I want to say something like yeah. that. I think it's that. No, Sam Ham. No, that's Sam, Sam Ham. Ham. That's it. It's Sam Ham, isn't it? Yeah, it is Sam Ham. Yeah, well done. Good. Okay, got it. it yeah, maybe just in my head because it rhymes. <laughs> I was like when I said it out loud, though, I was like Sam Ham. No, you just made that up because it rhymes. <laughs> Too much time singing kids' songs to my children, like uh, all rhyming things. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's really cool though because I uh, yeah I saw I saw the comic art and stuff because I yeah I called uh, Darren Robinson he does all the logos for the DC comics and I follow him on Twitter and he was like super happy that he got to do the Batman eighty nine logo for the comic that's really cool so um I, I love the fact that they're doing that you never know what's going to come from this do you with this you know with, depending on what happens with the Flash and stuff like what it'd be great if they because Michelle Pfeiffer exactly. she, she could do she could get in that Catwoman suit still I reckon and. Get Danny. De- oh, Danny De- is dead, isn't he? In the in the Batman universe. Not Danny De- yeah, De- I've got to stop calling him Sorry. Danny. De- Penguin was dead. Like, I did this on an earlier podcast where I said someone was dead, but 
they're not dead. It was the character is dead, not the not the actor. Not the actor. Um, there was an yeah. Easter egg from um, the filming of Crisis on Infinite Earths. I do, I don't know. Like it could if I don't know if it was proven false, but there was an Easter egg that went round that was um, from when they were filming with the guy that played Knox, because you see Batman eighty nine world for all of like five seconds in the I think it's the first episode of Crisis and Infinite. Yeah, Earths. it is. I think it's like and quite the same. There was there was a Gotham Gazette cover that had a picture of Mike, Michael Keaton's uh, Bruce Wayne, and it was the headline was something along the lines of Bruce Wayne marries Selina Kyle. Oh wow! Oh cool. Mm. So That's in fun. in awesome. theory. I mean, I think she even said, I'm sure um, Michelle, I nearly called her Selena Kyle. Uh, I'm sure Selena Kyle's been asked and said that she'd happily come back and do another film. Uh, yeah, I think Michelle Pfeiffer said she's up for it if they were to ask. So you never know. Maybe maybe Flash's Bruce Wayne is married to uh, to Selena Kyle. It's better. They have to have, to have some secrets, don't they? Like in, in this Flash film, for instance, they can't just say yeah, this person. There's enough buzz about it now, isn't there, with Michael Keaton and stuff like that? They, yeah. I'd love for Michelle Pfeiffer to pop up in there as well. What That'd be a massive pop, wouldn't it, in the cinema or something if... Uh, yeah, he rocked up in there as well, and like a CGI Alfred. Just I wonder if you'd get that in the Flash. I wonder if like a post credits or mid credits or something, they'd do it and just not tell anybody. And it'd be really because we need a we need like an old Batman, not like a like a no, like a bloody Batman. Fuck, Dark Knight Returns Beyond? and stuff. Like, oh uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like all that sort of old Batman, like old Bruce Wayne and stuff, and Michael Keaton. Get him in a big armored suit and just uh, it'd be amazing. So, I'd love for something like that to come out, something like The Flash, like for them to, mm. like you said about when we talked about Batman before in an earlier podcast, like if they're going to do this this multiverse thing, then which is definitely the way DC needs to go. Um, then the sky's the limit, isn't there? They can bring back old Bat- yeah. Batman and uh, yeah, like go for it. So, that's awesome. Yeah, what did you um, what do you think about Christopher Walken? Amazing, I love Christopher Walken in this, he's good, isn't he? So I think good. I didn't like. I think I remember thinking, "Oh, he's a bit annoying in this." But I think, obviously, I've seen a lot more Christopher Walken since when I was younger in films. And Jesus Christ, like his hair is fucking phenomenal. Like, yeah, uh, so he just—he's he's, so—he's so intimidating, isn't he? Because he's not obviously he is a villain, isn't he? And they, yeah, yeah. he's just—he's just as bad as the others. But he's—he's uh, he's just. There's a line where he says, "I mean, Neil will know it better when he's—he talk, he talks to his brother." his son who he ditches originally as well when his son is like run for your life dad or whatever he says and then he's like okay his (laughs) son also looks like a villain from die hard he does does. every time i see him i'm like is that somebody from die hard yeah chip he does why would you call why would you call him chip (laughs) chip shrek nice he abandons him in the first first few scenes when when the guys are coming through the city all the clowns and stuff and then um and then he just he just take his place on the the rubber duck at the end when he goes down into the sewers. But he um he says about if you know if Selena Carl gets in his way again he'll chuck her out a higher window. Yeah, oh, God, he's just ruthless, absolute yeah. monster. So I love the um yeah. the little Tim Burton in nod as well because of the character name because Max Shrek is the name of the actor who played Nosferatu in the gonna have to double check. Uh, 1936 Nosferatu movie, which is one of Tim Burton's favourites. So he named uh, the character after the actor that played Nosferatu. I had no idea. When I watched this again last night, I was trying to think of it because I've got quite a, I mean, I read a lot of Batman comics. And I know quite a lot about them. And I was just like, who is this character? Like, he mm, must be yeah. someone in the Batman universe. And they're like, Max Shrek. I was like, Max Shrek? Like, the, the flip? I was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe his last name was Shrek. But he's really good, isn't he? He's just... Uh, yeah. He's really he's, good. Yeah, Even I mean, he's great in everything. Being electrocuted. Yeah. But I read saying that you mentioned about Two Face Neil. 
I read earlier today when I was just reading back and forth different bits that originally that character could have been Two-Face and that when Selena Kyle put him into the electricity, he was going to, it was going to burn half his face. Interesting. Could have been. Yeah. yeah. But then I don't know, because there was, we were talking in Batman 89, obviously there's a Harvey Dent in there already, but I, I didn't yeah. find anything anywhere about who was going to play Harvey Dent. I assumed it would be this, it would be, um, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Lando Calrissian. Lando, yeah. Lando, yeah. That's what he said last time. We just call him Lando. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, but that was the thing. And then that would go into the, that would be part of the trilogy. That would be Two-Face would be the next villain. But yeah. they just they decided to go with Max Shrek for some reason, which probably makes more sense because th- three big villains is probably too much, I guess, for one film. Yeah, true. I suppose it would be it would be pretty overstuffed, wouldn't it? Like Spider-Man 3. <laughs> too many villains yeah, ruining Spider-Man 3. Any Spider-Man 3, really. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Potentially. True. Well, this Spider-Man 3 is going to have even more villains, isn't it? It's going to be uh, it's going to be mental. It's going to have everyone in it. And too many yeah. Spider-Men, maybe. Anyway, let's not talk about Marvel, Nick. Stop talking about Marvel all the time. <laughs> Jesus. Um, There's only ever one Spider-Man anyway, so it's fine. You know. It's not Andrew Garfield. It right, is. Neil, you it's tell Andrew it, you Garfield. Tell us... No, what's wrong with you two? It's Tom Holland. Because <laughs> he's young. He's actually young. He's actually playing a teenager. He's not anymore. Now he's got old. But he should be recast again. But he's, he's young enough to actually look like a high schooler, unlike Andrew Garfield and Tobey <laughs> Maguire, who should not be at school. Um, Far too old. Um, right. So, do you want anybody else want to talk about any of the casts? I was trying to think if there's any other characters in this that need picking up on. Um, I was always really creeped out by the lady with the dog, the poodle lady. Yes. She is, a bit especially when she does that. The last time you see her, when she's in like the um, the igloo at the top of the the penguin enclosure, and Batman's zipping in in his weird like jet boat thing she's she just speaks in this really weird voice where she's like something is approaching it's very large very fast and then she just really she really weirdly just like rolls her chair backwards and it just fades to black and that's it she's gone she's like some sort of ghost who fades away it's really weird creepy as hell she's there also the bit where i thought the like the cgi i guess but the the shots had improved a few just in the few years between 89 and batman returns with the the batarang that goes round. Um, yeah, it was a pretty cool shot at the time. I would imagine that was like, holy shit! Like, yeah, that's a really cool shot until the dog ruins everything, which is also really weird. Like, surely that Batarang should have killed that dog. That dog jumped pretty high as well to catch that. Pretty thing. high, yeah. So, um, she was. Uh, there was one scene though. Actually, thinking about if characters when they kidnapped the the lady who pushes the button, the ice princess, the ice princess. Yeah, I found that whole scene with Batman and Catwoman. A bit odd. It felt a bit like uh, empty. Yeah, the dialogue as well. Uh, yeah. When she, what is it? Oh God, I'm going to get it wrong now. Um, she says, "Eat floor high fiber," or he I, hits her and knocks her to the ground. Yeah. It's the it's the eat yeah. floor high fiber, and you're like, it's so weird. Okay. It feels like it was just shooed in, like last minute. It just doesn't feel really weird because then as soon as they're outside again, it feels like it picks up just where it left yeah. off, but. It's uh, it doesn't feel like the right for the fact that they both realise who each other are and they're like racing to get to the right place. It's like felt a bit anticlimactic in that warehouse building. I don't know what it was. I can't remember. Um, but yeah. So should we move on to narrative? Uh, I remembered voice. a tidbit fact that I was going to tell you. Um, the penguins' parents are uh, the guy that plays Pee Wee Herman um, and Diane, so it's Paul Rubens who plays Pee Wee Herman and Diane Salinger who is his love interest in Tim Burton's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. 
Oh my god! Wow, I did not even think about that. But now, now you said it. That yes, is that... Pee Wee Herman, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and he then plays the Penguin's dad in Gotham as well. Yes, he does. It's true. Wow, I didn't even see that. I was actually looking at them quite. I was wondering at that when the opening scene with them. I was like, oh, I wonder who they are because obviously they're in the beginning, and I thought oh, I didn't even think I recognised them. But I, I was more focused on that huge bloody room. That he walks into yeah. when Penguin's born. I was like, that's a fucking big door. It's a big <laughs> door. That's a big ass door. <laughs> door. Like, they must have spent a fortune on that room. So you know, instead there's of a... actually realizing who the actor was, but no, it's <laughs> there's also um ooh, hello. Um there's also uh the when the penguins first kind of um kind of comes out to everyone, and I think he does the bit where he goes to the the graveyard to f- see his parents' grave, there's a there's a woman that's like, he's like a, fl- a frog who became a prince. That's actually Bob Kane's wife, uh, one of the creators of Batman. But she is then Gossip Gertie in the next two Batmans. So she Amazing. is the, the gossip columnist reporter who's in Batman Forever and uh, Batman and Robin. Ah, wow, there's loads of... Uh... She is she is Mrs. Kane. Oh, wow. That's cool. I didn't know that either. Really good I, I really, useless facts. I was, really gonna, I was nearly going to watch the special, special features if I had a chance to, because uh, there's a bunch of them on the iTunes version. And I was I was going to read like watch the documentary and everything, but I didn't get around to it. But They're really good special features, things. actually. Are They're they? really, really good. Yeah. I went through a phase a long, long time ago now when I, me and my old brother did, where we used to watch like like every film we used to get on DVD or Blu-ray, we used to watch all the commentaries on them. It used to take yeah. bloody ages, but um, yeah. I should still do that now because they really do interest me. But I bet like I'd love to hear the Tim Burton stuff if, I don't know if there is a director's commentary on these, but probably is something. Know. But there's loads anyway, of stuff from him in the really in the bonus features. Is that some of the stuff on costume design is really cool? I love listening to how they do that. He loves that stuff, doesn't he? Though, like you could you get a real sort of yeah nightmare before Christmas vibe from the like the henchman. Thank you. You have just opened the door to another tidbit fact about this film. So when the when they the, when the circus gang attacks Gotham, um, there's a bit where the bit where the devil guy is breaking into like a toy shop and Batman drops the Batmobile, turns it around and sets him on fire. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to the score, which is obviously Danny Elfman, who always works with Tim Burton, he actually repeats some of his own music from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah. Uh, just as he's spinning the Batmobile around, uh, it just goes, making Christmas, making Christmas, in the background. It just does that tiny little hook from Nightmare Before Christmas. But he, he has said he was just being really egotistical and putting his own music from another film in there. Why would he? Danny Elfman. He might as well go for it. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny, because it's just yeah. like the room with P.B. Herman in when I was focused on the door. Rather than thinking about something like that, I was thinking about why is that guy waiting for this car to turn around? And also, Batman doesn't kill, so don't set someone on fire because that guy's definitely going to die. He but, kills um, a couple of people in this one as well, doesn't he? Because he, he puts he, the, he puts the bomb on. Yeah, he puts um, the guy, in, yeah, and he blows up. Yeah, yeah. So he just didn't give a shit. But it's not really explained in this one it, it, in either eighteen or nine returns. Like it's not. It's not yeah, really. He blows up Axis chemicals with everyone in it in the first one. <laughs> yeah, he? this Bruce he Wayne just drops that bomb around all of yeah. them. This it's guy is just why, killing. Uh, it's probably why Barry Allen's going to go and find him in the Flash room. He's going to be like, I need a Batman who will kill without any question. <laughs> like, yeah, Michael Keaton, he'll uh, step right up. Because, yeah, there's not really explained, is it? It's not like, uh, yeah, like, I vow I'm never going to kill anyone. It's just like, yeah, yeah. I do what I want. Yeah. And he even throws Selena Carl off a roof when he gets just a tiny stab wound. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> um, right. So, should we jump into the narrative then? Should we just yes. talk about it? Roll in. Or we kind of gone over a few little bits already but i think this story is much stronger than 89 
uh, Batman. I'm just basically off the one that we've already spoken about as this is uh, as we're going through the Batman films. But I think the whole thing, I love the fact that they set the villains up really early on and it doesn't take too long either. I think yeah. there's a lot of films that take far too long with the villains and it's like really plotted along. But this one is kind of like, right, there's a penguin in the sewer. Yeah, he's there. He's going to fuck some shit up. And then Selena Kyle quickly transforms into Catwoman as well. And it's actually, when I when I thought about it, the scene where she walks in the apartment and she's normal Selena Kyle to the one where she's uh, turning into Catwoman, that's actually a shorter. And I thought it was a lot longer in between the when that happened but it's quite a short time like it's not it doesn't take too long for her to, to transform into catwoman it's all done within the first probably all done before michael keaton says anything i think it is <laughs> yeah. all within like the first half hour at least the first half but hour that, is sort of like penguin catwoman. great isn't it yeah and I, I loved i love that about this story because it just you know it didn't it didn't it just didn't drag on and drag on and it's not like penguins penguins obviously got a plan hasn't it? he's got a plan with uh to find the first sons of Gotham and everything, but that even is in the background to this and just all ticks along nicely. It's not dragged out or anything and it moves so, just moves so well. Whereas again, Jack Nicholson Joker, that just, because I guess, because he was the only villain in it as well. They had the time to go in depth with him and Batman a bit more, but yeah, true. It's just like, it's just quick. It's just, these are your villains. You know, Batman's on the scene and it just felt like it went, went it just felt like it went really, really nicely throughout you know, the pacing and everything. So, but you two feel the same? Do you feel different? Yeah, no, you know? I agree with you. I I love the fact that it's just a huge like gothic melodrama, like yeah, right definitely. from the outset when you get like uh, the the couple pop manor with the huge gates and that massive swell of music. You're just like, okay, I know what's going to happen here. This is going to speak to my like ten year old goth soul all the way <laughs> yeah. through, and I just love it. It's just so dark for the sake of being dark, and it's just Tim Burton dialed up to like an 11 it's yeah. a nice intro isn't it with the bassinet with penguin in the bassinet and stuff like that. it's quite nice yeah. but it's a very again it's very quick with the like the mini origin of penguin yeah get thrown in it's i think it's a really nice that doesn't take long to get to the credits and then like bam you're in like gotham City. it's another again. set of long credits like you guys said with the, with 89 it's a long opening credit yeah. sequence yeah, yeah, the same. Long, yeah kind of again as you track the bassinet as it goes through the sewers it's still it's really long with this one as well yeah yeah I think it's nice, um, that, it's nice that the penguins took him in, isn't it? It's nice that they just <laughs> yeah. took him in. <laughs> I think uh, similar to how we said with Batman '89, I think Returns really leans into Tim Burton being Tim Burton. Like uh, I can't yep. imagine any other director um, going with the idea of like Penguin with the flipper hands or like the the sort of fully cat origin supernatural yeah. thing with Catwoman like I can't imagine that I mean obviously it didn't work in Catwoman that film was a fucking train wreck but um, uh, any other director I feel like couldn't do that it has to be a, dip, uh, a different take and I feel like Tim Burton's got the the sort of theatrical sensibility that he can present, portray those characters in that way um, that was just something that really stood out with Returns that I was like he has like you said Neil he's like really heightened it up it's just I'm just going to go balls to the wall with me. Um, I love yeah. that. I love the fact that it's, it feels really, it feels quite comic-y as well, doesn't it? Like it, like it, it just feels, it feels dark as well. Cause there's obviously we've got different Batmans and different villains and the way they're done now, like you've got the over comical ones in Batman forever and Batman and Robin and things. These just feel dark. And like you said, like it's really Gothic and 
suits the film. Penguin really, he just stands out as a villain. I saw a, I saw an actual a NECA figure uh, of him and it's so gross, but it's so good. Like I really want to know if it's cost a lot of money, but it's just, it's so memorable that, that penguin, like uh, it just, it's, it's almost really... like a fairy tale in some respects. It's yeah, like, it is. It, it is very clear cut heroes and villains. You've got all the Christmassy kind of snowiness about it. It's all very romantic with the city, but then at the same time, you've just got this really dark kind of adventure going on in the middle of it all. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You've got a room as well. That's in terms of the year when it came out, that's like peak Burton because you're talking about within a 12 month period having Nightmare Before Christmas, Edward Scissorhands all going on at the same time. It's like peak he's, he's golf a, fairy tales. He's, he's yeah. a huge director at that point as well. Is he? So obviously he's done Beetlejuice yeah. as well, which was a which yeah. was big at the time, and Edward Scissorhands and everything. It's just I can't. I'm trying to think what he did after Batman Returns. All I've got in my head is Sleepy Big Hollow? Fish. Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, Sleepy Hollow. Which, again, it's just an amazing film. I love yeah. that film. That's awesome. So it's because there was rumor Johnny Depp being in one of the Batman films, wasn't there as well? Was that? Did I? Was it probably? Yeah, probably. Maybe made that up. I I swear at some point I remember reading that he was going to be in a Tim Burton Batman film, but I probably just. You imagine what it would have been like if Tim Burton had done Robin. That would have been. That could have been interesting. Yeah, didn't, it they, been. didn't they cast Marlon Wayans? Was that in this yeah, one? They did. And then they just didn't yeah. put him in. Yeah, they, they didn't use yeah, him. They didn't use him, yeah. I remember yeah. reading that as well. Did they actually uh, There's I also think I read somewhere, didn't they make a toy of him? Like you can actually like somebody made a uh, I have a feeling there might be, yeah. Like a figure, but and it then, was just in the film. Batman eighty nine, I think it's eighty nine, has an entire storyboarded sequence of Batman and Robin as well. Um where uh there's it's like a car chase and Robin goes after the Joker. So oh, it's really? in the it's in the special features. It'll be on your your iTunes bundle. There's oh, okay. just like an actual storyboarded sequence of what would have happened of Batman and Robin chasing after the Joker. I think it's the right call not to have, especially in Batman Returns. It's not it's the right call not to have Robin in it because you need some of the you just need Batman to be Batman, don't you? He doesn't need a psychic. I, I understand for the for like the trilogy and stuff like with the the Dark Knight Rises, like you you know he's in Joseph Gordon Levitt and stuff as you don't know till right at the end, obviously, but. I think this works because otherwise it probably would have been overstuffed with yeah. too many moving pieces. And what I said at the beginning when I was talking about narrative is that I think because they established the villains early on, that's why this works so well in my eyes because it's you know who the players are and it doesn't really doesn't get any more complicated than that. And it's you know, Penguin and Catwoman are kind of on the same team, but then they're they're not. I love I love that bit on the roof as well when he he puts the umbrella on Catwoman because he just just turns yeah. on a coin doesn't he it's just like i don't like you anymore and off she goes and everything like that so yeah. she's really good and all that thing when she flips out the store as well i love that scene i really really love it when she moonsaults and then the building blows up yeah yeah that is cool yeah there's another scene that i wrote down as well the the first time you see her as Catwoman, i don't know if you notice how beautiful that shot is of her in the alleyway when she's standing yeah. there's nothing out there's absolutely nothing around her other than the buildings either side of her bits I think it's just white snow and then her in a black yeah. suit for the first time. And like the lighting on her face uh, is, is so well done. She's so well lit. And then it's just, uh, I, I actually went back to that shot and it's just, I think it's probably one of the best shots in the whole film. Cause it's, it's really, really nice. I use the, um, the audio from that scene in our first ever podcast. Um, oh, really? So I can't remember what my intro was at the time. I just said something like, hi, welcome to our um, our first ever podcast. And I just cut to her for like two seconds, just saying, be gentle, it's my first time. 
it's really good like it's really good dialogue isn't it as well like you say yeah. that's what you say with the yeah. dialogue and obviously you, you know so well now as well but that although that you don't hear quotes like that that often anymore but like that that hear me raw quote yeah. Like if, yeah if that was in a film now that would be massive that would be that would be the thing on all the t-shirts and everything wouldn't it like uh yeah it's 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 a lot of so much of it is it's really well written i love um, i tried to get my uh, i tried to get myself a t-shirt that had the uh, hell here just yes. in time for this podcast recording but i could not get one delivered in time uh, for when she smashes the lights in the in the background of her bedroom because i only saw that recently i only saw that i don't know i can't remember who put it up but i don't know where i saw it but yeah when she obviously when she's in the window and it says hell here and I, again young me would never have noticed that in my life but it's really cool isn't it it's really smart uh, the the detail in that stuff. scene is just insane there's so many little things to notice as she's going through that room breaking everything up like when she opens the wardrobe and she's spray painting everything there's a t-shirt with penguins on it and there is a coat hanger for like a dry cleaners of which the the logo is penguins oh, really? like, there are penguins littered everywhere it's just so, so it, the, the the small detail is just insane i'm pretty sure one of her stuffed toys might be a penguin as well that she puts down the sink <laughs> I always remember that bit when she's stuffing the toys uh, down the sink from when I was younger as well. I just remember thinking like, oh, that's, that's weird to do. And her, just her face looking so menacing. Like, uh, Oh God, there's that shot when she's, uh, when she's sewing the, the costume and she's just like, yeah, it's <laughs> just like, she is obviously like just loving that. She is chewing the scenery as much as possible. It's, it's a bit weird that the way they do the, her transformation is because all the cats nibbling on her and stuff like that. That's a bit, yeah. it's not really explained in any way, is it? It's just, like, is she, I guess is Tim she, Burton is probably she, didn't want to use the word metahuman. No, is yeah. she dead though? Are we are we assuming she's dead when she's out the window, and then the cats bring her back to life, or is she alive think, in like limbo a bit, and then the cats sort of? I always think they were just trying to say that that version of Catwoman basically would have been a metahuman, and that was her. She has nine lives, and yeah. that yeah. would have been the first life. Um, yeah, but it yeah it is it's a little bit tenuous, isn't it? In the um, in the narrative of the film, they weirdly pick it up again years later, and I will get so much stick for even mentioning this series. But the Birds of Prey TV series um, from like two thousand and two, two thousand and three, they bought the the costumes from I think it's Batman eighty nine, but then they bought the like that Catwoman costume and put different actors in it and did this weird intro that kind of caught you up on what happened between the two of them between then and this TV series because the lead was. The, the comic book version of Huntress when she was uh, Helena Wayne or Helena Kyle, because before Crisis on Infinite Earths in the comics, Huntress was Batman and Catwoman's daughter. And then they took that version out of continuity and brought in Helena Bertinelli, who's the version that's been in it ever since. But the TV series went back to the old continuity and they suggested that Catwoman was a metahuman and that that's why their version of Huntress had metahuman powers that were cat-like, which meant that being very 2002, uh, whenever she did a massive like leap between buildings, there was a cat roar that would play in the background. Gosh, that's but crazy. The idea was that she was a metahuman, apparently. Yeah. All right. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I just yeah, it makes sense that she's a metahuman. I just just felt like it could have done with a tiny bit of an explanation. But again, it wasn't. Yeah, it really could deep, didn't it? Is it? But I guess Tim Burton thought it wasn't relevant to progress the story. It wasn't in a way either because we all get that she's Catwoman. I think at that probably point, probably too well, comic booky. Yeah, but in 1992, you probably didn't. It's not as over, probably wasn't as overthought, like as exactly. we do now. Yeah. Like we dissect everything now, don't we? From like, the DC films, the Marvel films, and everybody has. There's so much. There's so many more comics out now, and we're sort of, you know, overwhelmed by what we have and things going on. So it's uh, 
you look at like Sam Wilson, Captain America now, it's just, yeah, you were like, we don't like it. You can just pull everything apart from the comics and what it is and what he says and everything like that. And it's just, um, I think at this point, no one would have cared necessarily. Yeah. Would have just like, ah, oh, yeah. she's Catwoman. That's fine. That makes sense. She got eaten by some cats and now she's, uh, now she's, uh, Catwoman. I like, I'm just rambling now, but I like to ramble. I like the fact that Penguin had all his umbrellas and I love, yes. I love, I love it when he pulls out the umbrella at the end. It's one of my favorite bits. With the toys. Swear, does he say, does he swear in it? Does he say shit? I think he might do, yeah. Because I was trying to work out, because quite, he's quite grumbled when he says it, but I swear he goes like, ah, oh, shit. He's <laughs> like, pulled out a there joke. There is something, one. yeah. I swear, he, I swear he swears, which is really funny as well, because obviously he's on his last legs at that point. I love the fact he pulls out like, of all the ones, like when he's threatening Max at the beginning, and he's like, this is this one, and this is this one, and it's the one with a bang. And all the umbrellas, there's like 16 umbrellas in that thing. And he yeah. just pulls out a toy one. And it's just like, because Batman's quite scared to see him. Like he's a bit taken back when he sees him walking towards him. I love it. I love that so fake umbrella. Speaking of the, like the, the dialogue as well, one of Walkin's first pieces of dialogue when he's on the podium. And I think he says something like uh, Santa Claus, afraid not. That's like the most yeah. walk-in line of anything like his his delivery on it is perfect to the point where I wondered whether that was in the script or whether he just said it because he was just like this suits my character that could be improvised yeah it just it feels like him taking the character and kind of making it his own um and I think there's a lot of examples like that in the script where you know like Fife is really in the role or DeVito's really in the role and it feels like they've just got a handle on their characters so the the dialogue almost feels like they just know what to say rather than it's written. I mean, I obviously yeah, read the script, but, but it feels so organic, um, except yeah, for that I scene agree with you. that Luke mentioned where it's Catwoman, Batman in the hallway and they have like an awkward fight and then there's like some awkward dialogue. And that is the only thing that I really felt like I was like, that was just weird. Um, I'm not sure what it was supposed to do, but sure. Uh, it was just a very odd scene. But, um, just didn't feel, feel like, just didn't feel edited or anything. Didn't feel like they put yeah. the sound in there or anything. It felt really weird. Really now odd. I remember it. She says, I haven't been fed all day. And he hits her to the ground and says, eat floor high fiber. Yeah. And that's when she grabs the ice princess and she's like, got to go girl talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's so really? weird. And then they're suddenly on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. It almost felt like they'd like shot the before and after. And then somebody went, well, you need a scene there to like how they get to the roof. And they were like, yeah. okay, let's just do that. But the whole thing just feels really muddled. It I thought it just felt really like a, like an extended cut, like the director's cut. And it's like, we'll put in every scene we shot and we'll just make sure it fits in somewhere. Just, it just felt unpolished. Mm. But, well, anyway. fun fact. <laughs> there, is a, there is one scene in the, the special edition, which is the, the kind of the, the version that we get now that the UK had never had before. Uh, there was one one scene that was cut from it when it was released here in cinemas, and it's when uh, just before Catwoman blows up Shrek's department store, when you actually see her put the the paint cans into the microwave and turn it on. The the it, the UK like the BBFC thought that we would all as kids suddenly go, "Ooh, let's put a spray can in the microwave." So I didn't know that scene. It's That's only like two right. or three seconds, but that was that was that was never on that was never in the cinema. It was never on the VHS. It wasn't even in the original DVD release. It was only when they did the special editions in two thousand and five or six, I think it was, That's when we cool. finally had that scene added back in. What a time to be alive! I feel like yeah. with our podcast, Nick, we can if we do something like this, 
we can ask Neil for a fact <laughs> and then you can just we can just record a snip bit and we can have like a tiny fact bit I swear like there's a podcast I know where they do that because half these facts I've never even heard of and they're brilliant so so much I've got to learn I just remember seeing that cam bit and I think I've never I don't think I think I thought yeah. about the security guards as well but I didn't remember that bit either so I, th- I thought the whole bit was extended actually but the security guards was probably in the original cut now you've said about the cans but I don't remember seeing the cans because I don't remember because she punches a hole in the wall she punches yeah that, all of like, that was gone oh she's strong but uh, yeah. yeah it's good good stuff I love you, the, um, just like, again, jumping off of Catwoman, I love how early she gets the taser and like even before she's Catwoman, there's a yeah. chaos of the taser. Um, yeah, she's fascinated sort of, by it. Yeah, it, again, it's like, you know, she's curious like a cat kind of thing. Um, and then the I've just forgotten how dark it is when she kills Max. Like the, that yeah. whole scene is is really horrific. Um, yeah, and I, I, I kind of love watched. that child corpse. Yeah, yeah it's good, I isn't it? it? So his, head's, his head looks so small compared to his. Uh, yeah, oh, I guess his suit. But uh, if you yeah. watch that scene really carefully, sorry, I'm getting. I'm, people are going listening to this. Going to be like, oh my god, can he shut up with that? <laughs> no, uh, I think I think you, people are going to want you back. <laughs> if you watch that scene really carefully, which obviously I have, um, so it cuts to just the whole thing where she leans in with the taser in her mouth. And then it cuts to a wide shot as everything starts to explode. If you look really carefully, you see the two actors shift out of the way and run behind the set. I do. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Wow. We were saying that about Batman 89. I don't, you obviously, maybe you've listened to it, uh, Neil, which yep. the, the set's moving in the background when they, yeah. when he's, there's a lot less, by the way, of Batman ascending and descending with his, his cape open. His they cape don't do that at all. They only do, I only noticed it once. I think where he kind of swoops down, but he goes straight across the screen. Yeah. He doesn't really do much of the up and down thing. They clearly were like, it's too static because uh, in 89, yeah, the whole background painting moves all the time. Yeah. That was um, one of the things that, um, it's sort of a give and take thing with Returns for me that I, I hadn't clocked until I watched it kind of with our, our brief in mind that I I kind of thought the, the sets add to Burton's like, theatrical vibe again it feels like it could be a stage play or something um but then at the same time there are a lot of times where they're in gotham and you it just it feels like it's a set like it feels like it's they've yeah. created this one bit and i was kind of like that it's almost a shame to an extent because it just doesn't feel like it's ever not being performed it, it, it never kind of lands in the sense that it's um like out in the world uh, it, was, it was bigger, wasn't it? They had bigger. I read on um, Wikipedia, thank you, Wikipedia, that the, they used massive stages for this one. Like they took up the whole, pretty much the whole of the studio was was this. Whereas in Batman '89, they used a lot of the backdrops, didn't they? And that we yeah. both said that that made it look like it was like larger scale almost. But this yeah. does feel, like you said, it does yeah, feel like it's, it's like a stage. And like a lot the, of stuff happens around that square. Yeah, yeah. This Christmas tree is the back of the it. stage, isn't it? And everything else is all of us yeah. around it. So. And then the Shrek's department store is on the square, the the rooftop where um, I was going to say Joker Penguin puts the the umbrella around Catwoman's neck is at the top of the square. Just everything happens around there, and the the scene where um, Selina Kyle and Bruce Wayne meet out in the street, uh, and they're they're reading out the the newspaper headlines and just having that really weird conversation. Um, 
again, is just on the town square. It's like everything happens to be in that square for this film. Because there isn't a lot of outside. I mean, you've got, this, you've got the sewer bit and you've got a bit of Wayne Manor, haven't you? But the Wayne Manor stuff, yeah. you know, Carl and him having a date there and stuff and a little bit of the Batcave stuff, but there isn't much to it really, is there? Which is it's a very contained uh, set piece. I in 89, you had, the, you you had, had loads that of different whole scene, didn't you, with the beginning... Yeah, you had you actually had like busy streets at the beginning, and then you obviously have the whole performance in the in the street at the end, filled with extras. Yeah. So it just felt lively and a bit more like a real place. Whereas I completely agree with you, Nick. This does feel a bit more staged. This one, yeah, it definitely yeah. does. Well, we're talking about visual representation. We're just we're jumping into the other bit as well. Just yeah. what we like to do, Nick. We like to just yeah. mix it all in. Um, but it does. It, it's weird because the the Christmas tree. That's the back of the stage, isn't it? And everything else flows around it. But the with Batman 89 as well, you had Ace Chemicals, which I guess is the sewer here, but it felt like there were a lot more locations in 89 yeah. than Return. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, but I don't I don't think it matters so much because I think the story is, I think the story is a lot better. Yeah, than, I, again, I, I feel like yeah. it suits that, it suits Burton's like vision. I think if it was any other director, like if, if Matt Reeves, the Batman, it feels like an enclosed set, it would feel really odd. Um, because he's not that kind of yeah, director, yeah. like having watched his other films. Whereas Burton, you always feel like because he's got such a specific view of what his worlds are like, that they're very gothic, that they're very kind of, they feel like a painting. So much of his stuff yeah, exists yeah. on sets because that's that's his his kind of um, like uh, like his cinematography. That's his style. Um, it's always nighttime, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think it really leans into his thing. It's just uh, it's interesting to kind of watch a Batman film and go like it's squarely placed on a set, especially in modern day where you know there's so many set photos of people out and about. Um, Can you imagine a Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy on just on a stage, set. yeah, just as wide shots, just uh, just really not happening. No. <laughs> Which is also brings me on to the fact that they really went like heavy on Batman's gadgets in this one. It was like, we've got a budget. Let's do everything possible, which just like some of, I'd forgotten about the Batarang, which you mentioned earlier on. Yeah. And that hit, I was like, Oh fuck. Okay. That's there. Um, In the same way that a lot of buttons on that thing before it actually goes. Yeah. I was going to say the Batmobile is really nice in this. I love the Batmobile in this. Yeah, always good though. I think it is classic that that's Batman. Um, yeah, the Batboat thing's very peculiar. I don't quite understand that, but you know, sure. I just wanted to tell you that never did get one. No, ah, oh, the old Batboat. Yeah, just curious. I liked. Okay, this is funny. Well, in my head, it was funny anyway. It's probably not going to be funny now, but it's it's bloody wardrobe of bat costumes. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It's so strange. Like he actually walks past one costume, goes into his wardrobe. Yeah. Actually, this the shot has him pulling the exact same back costume forward, and then he grabs another one, and then he walks around the back costume that is the closest one to him, and then he comes out dressed as Batman. It's like, dude, why? I mean, and then you got like you got like sixteen boots, and then uh, it's like, I don't know. I just found it really funny when I watched it. I just it's just a. Uh, just pick, why has he got so? I mean, I, I know wear and tear and everything like that, but so why did why was that specific one the one he got? Neil, tell me, you must know. <laughs> uh, maybe that was like Tuesday's bat suit. Maybe they're all yeah. like labeled Logical. for a different day of the week. I like but... it. Yeah, he can't 
It's not Wednesday. It's Thursday. Take that bat suit away. I also thought it's that like about... a there's a note from Alfred that says like yes, I have buffed this one. This one's, one. Ready, this yeah. one's ready to go. Has been waxed. You can uh, <laughs> take this one away. But, I also um... thought the bit where he like pulls off his uh, like cowl and it like rips. The rubber also... bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, God, that that must be like he he must just go through those. Like any time he removes it, just like having to rip it apart. Um, I thought so that the was chest quite... plate is the, the chest plate looks like the only bit that can't doesn't get damaged. Because like yeah. Selena Kyle's like, if she'd gone anywhere else, like to stab him, like she could have gone for the head or the neck, or wait, off she got him in the the abdomen area. But um, yeah, it's just uh, doesn't look like the best put together. I'm just thinking that I have a Batman figure now. I'm desperate to find out if it's '89 Batsuit or Batman Returns Batman. I can't see it from here, guys. It's <laughs> really troubling me. I can't tell which one it is. Um, anyway, I've gone off topic. Well, you're you talking, talking about the, the the back wardrobe. Um, sorry, I was going to say, uh, you don't see as much of the back cave in this one. It also feels a lot smaller than it did yeah. in the last film. It yeah. does, definitely. Obviously, they've got the back slide in. Which, uh, yeah, yeah. classic. But yeah, it does in a... Yeah, it does it does feel smaller, doesn't it? I wonder I w- why that is though, because they had they had more money, didn't they? I mean, obviously yeah. they paid everyone probably a little bit more, but it feels like yeah, it feels like they've condensed quite a lot of it. Like makes you think whether that's Tim Burton wanting to not repeat stuff. So did did he want to do the Batmobile driving in again just for us to see a shot of that huge bit where it would be parked up? Because you you see it up close when Alf is it Alf? No, when Batman's trying to um, repair it after it's shot to pieces and become the bat torpedo uh, but again you don't see that in a wide shot you only see that in a really close shot then when he's at the back computer when he pulls out the, the the cat claw and eats his cold soup which is like the weirdest <laughs> joke in in that film that always sticks out in my head it's again it's a really really closely framed shot it's not a, there's never a wide shot of the of the back cave really in this one at all i wonder no. if part of it is like because we're talking about narrative i wonder if part of it was because the narrative is so tight, like the plot is just so tight, it's so clear in terms of like, this is about the villains, here's this. So it's just very much like getting the characters from A to B and not having any kind of like fluff alongside of it. It's just sort of, yeah. you know, let's just tell the story, let's be as con- con- like concise as we can. And that's the impacting thing. Because the yeah. film does go by quite, quickly i thought in, in the sense that i was like oh shit but not to the point where i was kind of going well that hasn't been explained or that hasn't been everything makes sense it's just so concise and i think it hits better because of it um but the pacing i think is is really really strong so i wonder whether everything's a little bit yeah. quite closer for that reason that it's yeah, sort of maybe. let's just keep it um tight that's a really good point because when you think about some of the other sets like selena kyle's apartment penguins loft as well as his zoo base shrek's department store they're all really they are huge locations that you do kind of explore a little bit so i I think you're probably right it's it's down to what's necessary for the story as it is yeah i do actually really like the the story that they tell with penguin like even though he's very specific to burton's world with the the flippers and the the backstory the core story that he is desperate to become mayor and to sort of like fit in in society and um, like leave his mark on Gotham. I thought that's a very traditional yeah. storyline, even though he's heightened to what Burton's kind of creating. I thought that was pretty cool to kind of like have that contrast. Um, yeah, I agree. 
definitely. I, I think it's good because he has so much, he has a lot of stuff going on, but it's like I said, because it's paced so well. Like, obviously, he's got ulterior motives, like we said, with the the sons and everything. Like that. But he doesn't, he doesn't set out to be mayor originally, does he? Which I thought he did. He's, he's kind of like led into it by Shrek. It's Shrek, isn't it? Yeah. He leads him down that so path. So it makes you think what is, because originally he just wants to come to the surface, doesn't it? I think it's like so people could see him and he's accepted so he can do the sons thing. Which also reminds me of a shot, which is pretty ridiculous, which is when Penguin's writing his list and Batman rocks up in the Batmobile next to him. And just yeah, there's just no penguin just stares. How does penguin not notice him pull up straight away? Yeah, I know he's really engaged uh, in what he's doing, but it's just like, yeah. I mean, if you see, even if you just see a a Persian pull up next to you, you're probably gonna look. But no, just yeah. Batman just staring at him. No, nothing. But it's so weird as well because I absolutely love the start of that scene where you just see like a Batmobile crawling the streets of Gotham. I was like, oh, that's in, in the snow. It's really nice. Scene. Yeah, it's really. Nice. And then he stops outside, and I was like, how the fuck does nobody just go like Batman's yeah like, i just like to imagine that he's just in the back of alfred like you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna go spy <laughs> <laughs> on penguin he's like rather than him standing on a gargoyle on top of a rooftop or something he's just yeah. uh gargoyle <laughs> gargoyle gargoyle i've lived in norway too long words in english are not the same um <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, he's just rocking up in his Batmobile, which is fucking massive, by the way. Yeah. And then yeah, Penguin doesn't notice. Maybe he did notice. Maybe he was just being really clever and just pretending to act dumb, but good stuff. But anyway, Penguin's story is really strong. And it's, uh, it's... Surely Bruce should have been on that list. Yes. He's a first-born son. I thought this as well. I thought that's, when I watched yesterday, I was like, that, I wonder if that's kind of where it would, it, it, if I was watching it now as as an adult, not as a child, I probably would have thought that would be something that would happen. Um, obviously, yeah. they probably do a lot of stuff differently because I, I read a lot of things saying that a lot of people weren't happy that they put <laughs> rocket launchers on penguins. But I um, <laughs> don't think that would be happening now. But, uh, yeah. but yes, it's. Uh, I thought that as well. I thought, Bruce, he's uh, yeah, he's a first... Uh, I thought that was maybe the thing, like the first son of Gotham because he's yeah prince, prince of Gotham, effectively, isn't he? So um, but I spotted that as well. I thought he should have been on the list um how how do we it would have been good if penguin had seen him with his mask off if that was like some of the end dialogue um but i'm yeah. glad we got the umbrella thing instead i mean more happy going off of that how do we all feel about the ending with everything going down how do we all land on it in terms of where the characters end up and also the catwoman shot at the end which i am i right in saying that's not michelle pfeiffer that they shot that separately Yes, that is a doll. Yeah, oh, I thought it was. That yeah. is a flip that just has the has the Catwoman costume on and just press a button and it just goes bunk. You what? Yeah. That is all that is. It's did, it's a it's, like, it's a mannequin that? head that's just that just flips up. Yeah. Did they shoot really? that without Burton oh, knowing? Man, well, awesome. I swear I read it somewhere that he didn't know about it and they shot it. Oh, I don't know, he, maybe. That's even better. Just I imagine like Bert, Burton walking off like, right, that's a wrap, everyone. It's like right, get we're gonna get that we're gonna get signed up for that trilogy if it's the last thing we do it's like we know we killed off Catwoman. it's like mate have you seen the end of the film (laughs) (laughs) i love the fact that's a mannequin but i do i do love the ending i love the fact they all end up below ground as well i think it's nice that they end in like penguin's lair basically and i I think it's fair enough what happens to shrek and i yeah i like the whole mask coming off thing as well and i just i like the fact that selena car looks so battered as well because it's not like she's got nine lives and yeah. she's just 
yeah, I was going to say okay that. again. It's just like she looks battered, doesn't she? Like a mask is the way off. her journey is kind of traced through the the costume is is just really cool. Yeah. So like the fact that when she first creates it, it's all really tight and it's all you know like sewn up properly, and then slowly fight after fight, bits of it start to unravel, and then there are holes in it, and there are little breaks in the mask around the eye as well. Yeah. As she so after she falls into the 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 cat litter and stuff, it rips the arm, and there's just there's a slow like degradation of the costume to the end where she just pulls the the mask off because there's basically nothing left. Yeah. I, I I love that analogy of of her journey through the film. Yeah, I like that as well. It's the same with Penguin as well. I like the fact that he's like this guy underground and stuff, and then all of a sudden he's, don't get me wrong, he doesn't look good, but he's a little bit more fancy and stuff, isn't he? But then by the end of it, he's just doesn't give a shit, does he? He's just in his pyjamas, goo everywhere. And I, yeah. I think that's good as well, because he's gone up to the heights, hasn't he? He's gone high, and then he's come down again. And even Batman's battered, isn't he, by the end of it? He's... Yeah mask off and he's a bit beaten and he's been stabbed and everything from uh, a bit before but I... you get that moment with penguin as well where uh, in the loft when one of the the red triangle gang calls him penguin and he says no my name is oswald where he's kind of started to buy into his own hype that he's gonna you know he's gonna be mayor he's got this huge business guy on his side he's gonna put him at the top of gotham and he's like do not call me penguin call me oswald and then it flips later on in the film when someone calls him oswald and he's like my name is not oswald yeah it's penguin, penguin. yeah, yeah. So good. Love it's like own, owning who he is, which is uh, yeah, really good. It's I a shame re- that. Sorry, you going? No, you go because I'm going to jump. So you go. Uh, I think the only thing that I think is a shame by the ending is that if you take, if if this was like if they were going to do a trilogy, I know they typically do this because it's one villain per film or something, but they obviously because they killed off Joker at the end of Batman '89, and then they killed off Penguin as well. It's just just feels strange that both of them die. Because it yeah. doesn't really happen in the comics. Like it's very rare that one of the villain dies. They all go to Arkham and they all come back again. And I don't like the idea that, especially with Joker and probably with Penguin as well, that that's that's it. And I know it's a film, so I know it's not going to be an ongoing thing. I know there aren't going to be like twenty films or whatever. And maybe if it's a TV show, it'd be different. But I always like the fact that the villain in the Batman films. I'd like them to just like with Scarecrow in the Dark Knight trilogy. I love the yeah. fact that he popped up in different yeah. bits, even if it's just mine a bit. But I'd love the idea, and I assume they would have done something with Heath Ledger's Joker as well if he was yeah. if he yeah. hadn't passed away. That there would have been some link to him in the third Batman film. But I just I think it's a bit odd that they they killed off two big villains. Um, and again, I guess it goes back to Tim Burton not wanting to do a sequel, yeah, like, let alone probably a trilogy. But yeah. I just would have rather one of them be like banged up in Arkham because because then they kill off Two Face at the end of Batman Forever. Because you get the moment where his hand is out of the water and the coin lands in it as he's fallen onto those spikes in the in the massive like tunnel underneath the Riddler layer. Yeah. But then in Batman and Robin, when um, Poison Ivy breaks Mister Freeze out of Arkham, you you go through the random like Arkham back room where there's a, a Riddler costume hanging next to the the Two Face costume, and it always confused me because I was like, "But you killed him in the last film. Yeah. Why is his costume now hanging in Arkham? Yeah, because yeah, because Riddler was the only yeah." Uh... Isn't there a rubber He's duck the in there as survive. well? Did I? Uh, there probably is. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is a rubber duck or something. Something linked to Penguin. I don't know about Joker, but so excited to watch that. Um, oh god, it's gonna be so good. Can't wait. I might, I might skip 
I might skip that and I'll let Neil or Harry replace me. As, <laughs> I mean, uh, you can't skip it because it's got Arnie, who is the best Mr. Freeze there ever is. Oh, Batman and Robin. Yeah, Batman yeah. and Robin. But I watch. I love. I love Mr. Freeze. So I love. He got Arnie top billing for that as well, did he not? Didn't he get yeah. billing over yeah, George? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I was very. Uh, I was very lucky that Nick and Harry got me a present once. It was a uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Mr. Freeze T-shirt, which I treasure every day. <laughs> every day. When my wife's like, "We're going out somewhere posh," I'm like, "I'll grab my Mr. Freeze T-shirt." <laughs> so, um, so good. I always yeah, remember my um, my brother talking about Batman Returns. Um, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, he'll probably correct me if if this is wrong, but I'm pretty sure he always told me. How he always used to feel a little bit emotional when Penguin dies, and the penguins like carry him off. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it so sad. It is really sad. Yeah. Poor penguins. Poor penguin. And a couple of those penguins are real. I don't know if that's like a myth or if that's actually true. But I think because there's six penguins, there's three on either side of him. I think the two at the front and the two at the back are supposed to be like animatronic slash people in a suit and then i think the ones in the middle were always rumored but probably not true and someone will correct me to be actually real because i I just remember somebody talking about the fact that the penguins were crying and they thought it was incredibly sad that the penguins were crying like it was really happening i don't want anyone to correct you i really hope i hope they were all penguins all the real penguins like i don't want to pretend that they weren't real all of those penguins with rockets on their back were real to me it's super sad, isn't it? When they get they drag him into the into the water yeah, and drop him into it's the water. Well. Yeah. yeah, it's done well. Just uh, so, one other thing that I'd, I'd seen that I put down in my kind of visual notes um, that I thought was very random and actually would have just fitted in perfectly in Batman Robin is the the bat notepad, like the fact yeah, that he had a like, he had Batman themed notepad. Yeah, I was like, that's that's yeah. incredible. I wonder well, like, if that was Burton's credit card whether that was the studio going can you use the notepad because we can sell that it was probably around the same time they decided to do the mannequin a catwoman like yeah <laughs> flipping <laughs> a notepad <laughs> there's a bat logo on the alfred's like dj deck as well when they're <laughs> playing the the penguin quote and he decides to like mix the cd yes it is yeah, yeah i noticed that the disc drive is uh yeah it has a bat logo, logo on it. yeah well, the, my, my favorite thing that's come out of this podcast is just Ooh, thinking about sorry. all the bat, yeah, cool. all the bat signals. <laughs> like that's so funny. The more I think about it now, is that like everyone, like someone's looking over Wayne Manor. It's like, why the fuck are there so many Batman signals over there? It's just so stupid. Oh, and when like did it. Penguin find time to build a miniature Batmobile for him to sit in in his truck? Which I love. Do not get me wrong, that is amazing. But when he controls the Batmobile and he's sitting in the little like rocking yeah. back and forth in his little yeah. Batmobile, love that. But when who has the time to do that? But all, the, all of all of Penguin's things are weird, like the giant fucking present. Like yeah, yeah, true. That's that's pretty odd as well. But also everything. Like where did he learn to write? Like I know he went to the circus for a little bit, but just like he's he's pretty on the ball, isn't he? This guy. It's, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. The present, the giant present is like really odd. Like who didn't notice something was <laughs> going on? That being, who like, didn't, who didn't, up who didn't notice square. that coming out of the sewer? Like, <laughs> oh, that's a unique place where giant presents come from. And it moved very uh, smoothly, didn't it? With all the bikes and stuff inside. Like no one yeah. heard any noise. Just like, uh, but I do love it when that present explodes. That is a really cool moment. And all the, all the villains, like the guy with the, the monkey box comes out and uh, shoots a machine gun inside. Love it's so good, guy. isn't it? I feel like he's in quite a lot of things, that actor. I don't know. Who I always remember is. him from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was yes. uh, he yes, was the, the gypsy, gypsy uncle of Jenny Callender. Yes, that's Season where he's two, from. I Buffy think. the Vampire Slayer. Yep. Uh, Buffy. Good stuff. Do you like Buffy, Nick? I know this is completely unrelated to Batman Returns, but. Uh, yeah. I, I... If he says no, you need to kick him out of this <laughs> straight away. 
<laughs> I will. Um, yeah, I do. I, I, I weirdly, I think I preferred Angel just because it was a little bit darker. Um, All right, cool. yeah. But yeah, I remember enjoying Buffy when I was younger. Um, I just remember when Angel started, I was way more invested in that. And I don't know if it was because it was just a bit more like less teeny, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. Plus, the person who absolutely loves the OC, by the way. Like probably one of the uh, team things you can watch. But hey, the OC's all right, isn't it? Seth, incredible. Isn't it? But so good. I don't know if you know this now, but Nick did not like Civil War from the, yeah. the MCU, which is just isn't that just <gasps> I know, right? Oh, just okay. makes you makes you want to cry. <laughs> um, cool. Has anybody got anything else they want to add to this uh, Batman Returns episode? If, if yeah, the music. Do, uh, oh, you, can, you cannot let this film go without talking about the score. I absolutely adore every single piece of music in this entire film. It is good. I, in fact, it's, it's the kind of film that you do not want to watch with me because I just hum along to the music all the way through because I just know it inside out. I just I awesome. love it every I used to have, every I used to have the CD. It. I used to have the CD for uh, both both of the films. <sighs> oh, well, I think it was a cassette I had for 89. But it's, uh, I used to have a CD for I this. had the cassette for 89 as well. Love that yeah, Prince soundtrack. I still do. I love I, that music. I do have it somewhere still. That it's, was... it's really good. Danny Alfman's just a man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah sort of it stuff. was my first note actually was just that the score straight up front is just so moody and it sets the tone. Um, also just introduces you that it's like, this is Batman, but also it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Definitely. It's, here's all of this up front. It, it really nails it. Was there a song for this one? Because yes, there was. It's yeah, Susie was. and the Banshees. Yeah, okay. Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, cool. Because so. it plays really briefly. Well, it's got that one. It's got the hook that's in quite a lot of the score. There, there's like a three-four note thing that repeats a lot. That's like the basis of the Susie and the Banshees song because Danny Elfman wrote it for them. Um, but the song itself plays, I think, during the 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 masquerading with uh, yeah, when Selena and Bruce are dancing, and she's going a little bit nuts and pulls the gun out. Um, yeah. I think that's the only time in the film it plays. It's cool. a good scene as well, isn't it? When they're dancing, yeah. it's a really good scene. And she looks, she looks mental in that as well. Michelle Pfeiffer, Selena Carlos. She looks like, uh, she's kind of staggering a little bit in her high heels and everything. But she looks like stunning, but also insane. Like she's, uh, yeah. she'll kill you. And I always think that as well when she walks back in for the first time we've seen her. She's been out the window and she's had the apartment scene when she walks in to see Shrek for the first time. Uh, Max Shrek. I can't just call him Shrek. Max Shrek. And um, she looks insane there, doesn't she? And the fact that Bruce Wayne is quite taken by her, but she like her hair is like like uh, one way, and she's got bandages all over her face and her hand. Bruce Wayne's like, "Hey, beautiful, like, yeah. uh, I'm round to my house. I'm round to my house. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's good. And I like. Um, I'm going backwards now with what we're talking about, but I like. like um, I think Mike Keaton's because he is more relaxed. He's he's even a little bit more funny in this one because he's. Yeah. His humour is pretty good in 89, but it's a bit better like when he's in the lift and he's about to leave and it's just slight little bits there where you can see why Tim Burton was so kind of keen on him because it was he was very yeah. as good as Bruce Wayne as well. Yeah. Which is nice. So There's some interesting interviews with Danny Elfman talking about this film, just going back to the score, yeah. because he he has mixed feelings about it because I think he feels like it dominates the film, which it does. But if you're a score fan, I think that's amazing because... I, I, like I said, I, I just absolutely adore the music, but he he talks about it not in the best of terms sometimes because he does feel like it's it's a little bit too prominent and at times it kind of carries the film maybe when the when the story kind of bows down a little bit, um, which is interesting. But 
it is definitely I, like I will not hear a bad well. word said about it um like it is a great score but it is it, it is very upfront like it, it's the first thing that like i said it sets the the tone rather than the visuals setting the tone or or like dialogue yeah. or anything the, the thing that really kind of places me in that world is the the score um yeah it's it's impressive it's a very very good score memorable as well like it's, i mean it's that. nuts right from the start yeah, yeah, you think about the it's just the penguin's parents walking through a park with with the pushchair uh but the score is massive it's like a full-on choir all completely going for it and you're like okay this film is clearly not gonna you know do anything by halves yeah was it the a nominated when, for his score i hope was so it, if it, it was nominated if it wasn't there. it should have been i know it was for i think it, i think it was the score and i think it was visual effects or something it got it definitely got a couple of nominations i might be making that i swear it got nominated for the score it should make, be. which would make sense. Oh no, it was just, it was nominated for just best visual effects and makeup. Wow, that's insane. There right, had to be some campaign. good scores that year to yeah, yeah, <laughs> right the wrongs. Right the music the when Selena Kyle trashes the apartment as well. That's so that's like my single favorite piece of score ever in any movie at all. When she goes nuts, I just it's really good. love it. Yeah, I love uh, the, the music. Definitely makes the film. I, I read a few reviews of it as well before, and everyone is complimenting the score like that. This is yeah. such a big thing. Like, um, I really delve into the reviews. It's like the score like sets the tone for the whole film. So uh, it's awesome. I really can't really remember if it carry across the the Batman motif into Forever and Batman and Robin, or it's no, they change it. it okay. It's um. So Danny Elfman goes after this too, and it's. Yeah. I want to say Jerry Goldsmith yes, that takes is. over after this. I'm pretty sure it and is. And it's yeah. a completely new, uh, you get the like, da, 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 thing that comes in instead that becomes the new Batman theme through Forever in Batman and Robin. Ugh, classic. Ugh, I bet that got nominated for a bloody Oscar. <laughs> the film, <laughs> it, Batman and Robin should oh, no. just, yeah. I hope that Matt Reeves watched that before he made the Batman. There's a lot of good stuff coming out. Matt Reeves stuff, isn't there? They've announced the the animation as well now. Batman one. Oh my god, good. that was so, that was. I can't wait to see what they come up with for that. Yeah, especially like, with like, that teaser poster as well, because that's a yeah. really classic Batman. Yeah, I like the fact they're doing that, and obviously they have got the TV show as well, the the GCPD one and everything. It seems like there's a lot. Yeah, it seems like after a bit of crap, like I know you're big on the Snyder stuff, Nick, and it's amazing, but. I like I like the Snyder stuff as well, but I feel like there's there's now a, a really nice shift going. Um, yeah, there is. Stuff, so You've I've, got the Batgirl got... film as well. It's just got directors, which is should that... be pretty interesting. I yeah. thought it was going to be a TV show. It's, so it's an HBO Max movie. Ah, okay, cool, nice. There's so much material out there. I've I've just reread. Um, have you read the White Knight comic, Neil? Love White Knight. Uh, yeah, so good. Um, oh, in fact. I have. Cool. Oh no, he's gone. I had a Batman White Knight that was up there. I've got the White Knight Joker in the Batman action figure, I but have. I forgot. I'm jealous. Taking them down. I've got different ones up there at the moment. There. Yep, I, I have that Joker. I have, yeah, those yeah. two. I have those two, yeah. Well, today I ordered myself the uh, the Bat Cycle from the White Knight comic because uh, it's, uh, nice. it's, uh, the Bat Cycle was in the latest previews. So I saw it. Anyway, it's very exciting. We should just do a talk show about figures. That would make me very happy. Talk I've got show. Death Metal Batman up there instead. Oh, nice. 
death metal is so good. Yeah. I saw they do it. And the Damien there. Wayne. There's death metal soundtracks coming out. I don't know if you've seen them. So yeah. 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 Very, with the, I don't have a vinyl player, but man, I want them. I don't <laughs> even like death metal music. I just want them. So, uh, cool. Right. Anyone else? You want Anything else we want to bring up about Matter Returns before we wrap this bad boy up? I think I'm good. I could probably go for another couple of hours, but I won't. Yeah, we could always. I think it's always the way, isn't it? You just keep talking and talking about it. But yeah. All right. Well, just a reminder, you can find our sponsor, Blackspot Comics, at Comicsology by searching for Blackspot Comics. You can find them on Twitter at Blackspot Comic and Blackspot Comics on Instagram. And you can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at ConsistentlyPod and on YouTube by simply searching for the Consistently OK podcast. We stream on all podcast services, each episode coming out on Wednesdays. If you're an Apple Podcast subscriber, you'll get extra content. So that wraps up our in-depth series episode on Batman Returns. So thanks everyone for listening. Our next podcast is going to be about the Netflix show Sweet Tooth, which is based on a Jeff Lemire comic. So we're excited to do a podcast on that. And that'll be out in a couple of weeks' time. So thanks, Neil, for joining us as well. Thank you very much for having me. I've loved it. I loved all your facts. I feel like I've gained so much knowledge now. Um, it's, uh, it's fantastic. You do not need IMDb trivia on a Batman movie when you've got I don't. me. No, we were definitely going to just uh, enter you into a conversation when needed in the future. <laughs> we do the other Batman films. Have your uh, encyclopedia ready, uh, so we. I'm always at the end of the phone when we'll, you need uh, me. We'll put a we'll put a bat signal up, and it will bounce off other bat signals. Yeah. <laughs> it will shine yeah. through my uh, my my office window straight yeah. into my yeah. face. Uh, <laughs> Neil's getting a Batman question. That's uh, <laughs> typical. All right, so um, thanks guys, thanks everyone for listening, and um, take care. Cheers, dude. See you in a bit. Bye.